Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome, Journey Church. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, so glad you've joined us. If, if you're newer to uh, Journey Queens, if we haven't had the chance to meet, uh, my name is Bobby. I'm uh, the pastor here at Journey Queens, uh, and I am so excited that you're here today. Uh, and the reason I'm so excited is because I truly believe that God knows what he's doing. And I believe that when he leads us to a certain place, uh, Often, we don't realize he's the one leading us. Often, God is leading us into situations and into scenarios that are challenging, confusing, and downright not okay. Anybody relate where you're in a situation or you've been in a situation where you're like, my, my entire faith is being really tested right now. Because my life does not look like what I think it should look like when I'm following God. Is there anybody who has ever had that thought before? A few people. If you have, the pastor in the room thinks that sometimes, so don't feel bad. Uh, it, is, it is our faith sometimes that is challenged beyond measure. And, and I'm excited today that you're here because we are in the middle of a series uh, called Fearless, Finding Courage in a Frightening World where we've taken a look over the last couple weeks uh, at some scriptural examples of how much our fear can in, uh, chain us and enslave us and keep us uh, bound down from entering into these promises, these things that God has for us, uh, but that we are not left alone to conquer that fear, to push through that fear, but rather that God, the entire time, more than what we even see or can imagine, has been working for our good, growing us, preparing us, stretching us, and changing us to be able to be in that place that he has for us here on this earth. And so today I'm excited. We're going to take a look uh, at a story that I would say most everybody in the room has at least heard of. Uh, maybe you've, you've read through it and you know the story, uh, but at least have heard of the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, it's one of the most famous Bible stories that we have. Uh, you see, uh, the story of David and Goliath uh, starts off in, um, well, David's story particularly starts off in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And you see, at this point in Israel's history, this is uh, a, a couple thousand years before Jesus in the Old Testament. At this point in history, after God has been guiding the Israelites uh, for generations after they were uh, rescued from Egypt, from the slavery they were in in Egypt, uh, they are now crying out for a king. They're, they're seeing that God has brought them out and has led them, and yet they're looking around at all of the other countries and nations around them, and they all have kings and rulers, and they say, we want a king. And God is like, I'm your king. Don't you see what I'm doing? But he relents, and he says, fine, if you want a human king, then go ahead and have a human king. Uh, and they, they, they put Saul, uh, a man named Saul, in power as king, as Israel's first king. King. 
And now it says that Saul, uh, although he was, uh, uh, he did know the Lord uh, over the course of his reign, eventually fell away from the Lord, stopped caring about the things of the Lord. And so God, in anticipation that this kingship wasn't going to work out and wanting to take care of Israel, goes ahead and anoints for himself a king. And now this king isn't someone who immediately comes in and takes over Saul, but rather God sends one of his prophets, Samuel, to a small town uh, to a man named Jesse who has eight different sons. And, and he tells Samuel, go, and I will show you which person to anoint king. And we see that Samuel goes, and, and as, as Jesse brings his sons before him, the first one comes out, and, and the first son comes out, and he is tall. He's a warrior. He's already in the army, in Saul's army. He is robust. And, and as soon as Samuel sees him, Samuel says, there he is. I mean, he fits the part. He could put the king's armor on himself. He fits the part. But check out what, what the Lord speaks to Samuel's heart in 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so this, this <clears throat> excuse me, so Jesse continues to bring his sons out in order from oldest to youngest. And after he goes through all of these sons, seven of them, Samuel is just sensing that the king is not here. And he says, is this all of your sons? And Jesse stops and he thinks for a minute. He's like, oh, the youngest one, but he's like out in the field with the sheeps. Like I, essentially, I just assumed you wouldn't even want to see him. And so Samuel says, I'm not, I, I can't leave. I won't even sit down until you bring him to me. Bring him. And so Jesse goes and sends for his son David, a young boy at the time who is just tending the sheep. And the second he walks in, the Lord says, there he is, rise and anoint the Lord's king. And so David, just a boy when he's anointed because God sees the heart and not the fact that he is younger and he's a shepherd, not a warrior, ready to be king. He sees the potential in the heart and has Samuel anoint him king. And so some time goes by, some years go by. David ends up getting into Saul's service. Uh, he plays the harp. And so Saul will sometimes call on David and bring him in to play the harp for him. So there's, an, there's a familiarity with David uh, at this time when this beast of a giant named Goliath comes forward. And you see this in, in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. So there's this Goliath of Gath, right, of the Philistines, a nation that Israel has time and time again had trouble with. Scripture tells us that this nation was already encroaching on Israel territory, had, had been moving in to overtake and destroy Israel, and that there was a valley uh, that both armies were on the side of. So they were coming down these mountains, and they were meeting, and nobody wanted to go into the valley because it's prime picking off spot. The archers, every, you would get killed if the whole army ran into there and, and they were able to take care of you. And so these armies have come, and they're at a stalemate. Nobody's moving. And, and it says that this beast named Goliath comes and, it, and is uh, taunting the Israelites. 
And now, according to Scripture in certain manuscripts, they believe that Goliath, uh, some manuscripts actually allude to him being nine feet tall of the giants. There, you know, the Scripture talks about giants in the Old Testament. Other uh, manuscripts and, and uh, theologians think that he was closer to six foot nine. So 6'10-ish, uh, still a very, very large person, probably taller than anybody here in this room. And it says that as he, he approached, he ran out to Israel. Uh, he ran out on the battlefield. It says that his, his coat of armor that he was wearing, that the, 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 the chain mail itself weighed over 120 pounds. That his spearhead, he had not only a sword and a spear and a javelin, but that the head of the spear was over 130 pounds of solid iron. If any of you lifted weights before or have, you, you know what 130 pounds feels like or more. And that was the spearhead. So this was a very large man, obviously referring to him as a giant. You know, he is Goliath. And so he comes up and he challenges Israel. He begins cursing the God of Israel. He begins challenging Israel, saying, choose for yourself one man. Just send one person out. If he beats me, my whole nation will be your servants. But if I beat him, then you guys are our servants. And they say, let's settle this mano e mano. Send a man out. And it, essentially, all of Israel is afraid, we see in verse 10 of chapter 17. It says, And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. But when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So paint that picture in your mind for a moment. You have the king and an army who has at this point in history become victorious. They've, they've conquered. They've, this is a, not a uh, random put together army. This is an army. And yet before this giant in this challenge, not one man, including the king, who scripture says was taller than the rest of the men. So he was the largest. Even scripture tells us that even he was greatly afraid and dismayed. And so this taunting continues as you read through the chapter and, and the, the focus shifts back to David. And it says that Jesse, his father, as David is tending the sheep, gives him a bunch of food and says, go bring it to your brothers. They're in the battle. They're, they're there at the valley. They're, they're in the ranks. Go bring them some food. And so he does, he goes and he brings them their food that his father sent him with. And he begins to assess this situation. We pick up in verse 23. It says, as he talked with them, the soldiers that were there, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name. I love the, the buildup scripture sometimes gives, don't you? We do it sometimes today. If you're watching boxing or a UFC fight, sometimes they build up with their accolades. And it, it seems like this is what the author is doing here in verse 23. He says, as he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, he's building up this story, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. 
And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So the king is pulling out all stops now. Hey, if you're brave enough and if you kill this man, your, your, your whole household is debt-free, tax-free. I'm going to give you my daughter to marry. I'm going to make you rich. Anything you need, Saul is desperate at this time. And in verse 20, uh, sorry, verse 26, and David said to the men who stood by, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. And so David walks up to this battle and he sees this situation. There is this one man taunting the entire army of Israel and not only taunting saying you're not good enough, but your God is nothing. He begins to curse God, the God of Israel. He begins to defy him. He be begins to essentially spit in the face of the Israels and of God saying, you are no match, show me up, testing them to do so. And David comes up to this battle, and what we see in Scripture is it seems like he's frustrated, right? He hears that not only is this, this, this Goliath defying Israel, but also the king is willing to give so much to the man that goes up. And it says that he starts going throughout the ranks and asking people what this is. And now if David already knows, it's curious that he would be asking the men. And so it seems that he's going up to these men and, and trying to stir them up. Like, hey, hey, what, what's going to happen to the man who kills? Oh, isn't this the case? Hey, look at him. He's just defying God. We can do this. And he's going throughout the ranks trying to charge people up. And it says that even his brother gets angry at him. He says, I see the evil in your heart. You're just trying to see a battle. That's all you want. And, and David is just perplexed because his heart is broken that he's witnessing this, this giant, this Goliath of their enemies that has put so much fear into the nation of Israel. We're going to kind of read through the rest of the story here in one shot so you guys can follow along on the screens with me. We'll pick up in verse 31. It says, when the words that David spoke of charging these men up were heard, they, repeat, they were repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to King Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and will fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth, and he has been a warrior since youth. He has been a man of war from the time of his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the sheep for his father. Pause there. You're like, yeah, you're not starting out strong, David. You want to go fight this giant. You're saying not to worry. And you start out with, hey, I'm a shepherd, right? But catch what he says next. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard or his mane, and I struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Please notice that they are both plural. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me 
from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to him, go, and the Lord be with you. So then, verse 38, so then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried to go in vain, for he had not tested them, tested these weapons and his, his armor. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he began to approach the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. That's a, a cool little fact. The Goliath was so big, he had a, a man specifically there just to hold a shield up in front of him. What a, what a crazy job you'd have to be. To, how crazy do you have to be to be like, oh, I'll be the guy that's just going to hold a shield. Like, I'm not going to fight. I'll just stand here and take the arrows for this guy. Oh, well, somebody did it. So the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He hated him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? David, mind you, had no sword, no spear, no javelin. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. I love these next words. And I lost my place. That's, it wasn't all intense, you know, anticipation. I did lose my place here. He says, you come to me with sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I have come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the field, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly, his own army, may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, look at David's reaction. It says, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell onto his face on the ground. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So we have this incredible story of fear and of courage, of an enemy coming against God's people and the fear that crippled them to stand at the battle line. And it took one boy 
See, at this time in Israel, in order to be in the military, you had to be of at least 20 years old. And so they believe David was somewhere between 14 and 19 years old. That this boy came forward with the faith to say, this is unacceptable. This is not what God is about. God saves his people. God is with his people. God doesn't want someone out there making a mockery of his name. He wants to fight for Israel. And is there no one here with enough courage? And he, as he stepped into this battle, we see it unfold in a way. The, the rest of the story goes on that, that the Philistines ran after they saw that David had killed their champion. And that David himself was crowned a victor. And his name spread throughout the entire army of Israel. That his kingship was preceded by this incredible story that put him on the map. But you see, there's so many, there's, there's a few different things in this passage when it comes to finding courage that I think we can see. There are a few token items that scripture alludes to here. The first, God doesn't look at ability God looks at the heart. I want to point out a, a, a fact here that if you were in the army, it's because you, you were a warrior. Not all men went to be in the army. You, you were a warrior. You, were, you knew how to fight. You knew how to be tough. You knew how to be strong. There was preparation. There was training just like today. And so when we see David come up to this, this battle, and not only this battle, but the fact that God had anointed him to be king before he, he even became an adult, God didn't look at what his life had said and said, because you did that, I'm choosing you to be king. God looked at his heart. He knew the heart of David. He knew that David would make a good king for Israel because David looked to the Lord. Because David would fight for the Lord. See, church, in the face of our fear, in the face of our terror, in the face of our frozen nature, because of the, the sheer panic that our fear sometimes causes in us, we often begin to have these thoughts that I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. There's no way I can overcome that fear. I know what I've done before. I, I know what I've been capable of before, and there's no way this can change. But you see, church, the Lord looks at the heart of man and not at your ability. And so in any scenario you find that you are doubting at God's power and his willingness to work in your life, my, my challenge to you is to simply check your heart. Is your heart before God? Are you actually crying out to God for help? Are you looking to God as your help? Are you worshiping God with your heart? Are you asking him to be the center of your life? And church, if you are pursuing Jesus, if you are looking to God, if your heart is his, he sees that. We can look at all of our inability and the times we fail to go to church when we say we're going to, or the times we fail to have that quiet time and center ourselves with God before our day, or the times we say, I was going to act kinder and I didn't, or the times you, were saying, you would say, I was going to tell the truth, but I lied. I was going to be nice, but I was kind, or I'm sorry, but I was mean. <laughs> 
See, we look at these times where we failed, and often we determine what God is going to do based on what we've done. But you see, church, Jesus didn't come to save us because he knew we would eventually be good enough and get there. Jesus came to die for us because he knew we couldn't. He knew that in our sin, we were broken, that we would face fear, that we would face weakness. And he didn't look at us and say, figure that out, and then I'll use you to slay Goliath. He simply said, where is your heart? The Lord looks at the heart. Second, sometimes God sends lions and bears. Sometimes God sends lions and bears. You see, when David stepped up and chose that he was going to step up to Goliath, that he would be the man putting his life on the line, his, his defense to Saul, when Saul said, absolutely not, I'm not putting the entire nation in the hands of a, of a boy, of a child, absolutely not. David's defense was, hold on a second, I've been tending the sheeps my whole life. And when a lion or a bear came and took one of my sheeps, I went after it and I killed it if I had to. I'm just going to go out on the limb here. And I'm going to say that a shepherd probably cares about his sheep, right? Anybody in here have a pet, a cat or a dog? I'm going to guess you care about your pet. You love them. They're part of your family. I've mentioned our dog Sadie here a hundred times because every day I'm away, I look forward to going home and seeing her. We love our pets. And so I assume David, as a shepherd, especially a boy, cared about his sheep. I bet he prayed for his sheep. I bet he prayed for their safety. And I'll tell you something else I bet. I bet he prayed that no lions and bears would come every single day of his life. And you know what? They came. But at this point in history, Israel would be subjected to Philistine for probably forever if David hadn't slayed Goliath. And David would not be slaying Goliath if he had not encountered those lions and bears. See, church, I want to challenge you right now that so often 90% of our prayer is centered around God taking us out of the uncomfortable and fearful situation we're in. And although he does promise to deliver us from those fears, Sometimes God's sending the fear. Sometimes God's sending the lion and the bear because he knows in your preparation and as you, you fight through that and you struggle through that and you take two steps forward and 10 steps back, that eventually it'll be two steps forward and five back and then two forward and three back. And then you're making even progress two and two. And the next thing you know, you look up and you're taking more steps forward than you are back. See, I love that, that the writer makes sure to put in here that David alluded to the fact that it wasn't just a lion. Raise your hand in here if you've killed a lion. A couple people. Yeah, you're strong. I bet you could kill a lion, man. I bet you could. How old are you? Four? You kill a lion. No question about it. None of us have killed a lion. And David comes in here throwing, I've killed many lions and bears. You see, God didn't answer his prayer to spare his sheep from those lions and bears every time he prayed for it. Because God knew that he would deliver that sheep, that he would give David the strength to overcome the lion and the bear. And he wanted him there preparing him and training him and making him stronger. 
so that when he came and he stood before Goliath, David had no question in his skill of the sling. He didn't doubt. He didn't come up to this battle. I'm sure he was afraid, but he was running through the army trying to jazz people up because he knew his God and he knew his God would come through. But David would not have been prepared for this battle if God had answered his prayer for comfort. And church, I want to tell you right now, it feels like God is mean when he doesn't answer our prayer to rescue us. I get angry at God. I don't understand sometimes. I sit in anxiety or sometimes depression and I sit and I wonder, where are you, God? What are you doing? Every single time I hit this point, I'm crying out to you and I'm asking you to rescue me from this. Isn't this what you're supposed to do? And eventually he does, but he's preparing in those moments. He prepares us for the things that we can no longer see. And that actually brings me to my third point. The armor God equips you with fits best. The armor God equips you with fits best. We see that when David finally convinced Saul to let him go face Goliath, it says that Saul put all of his armor on David and that David couldn't move. And that David took off all of his armor, put down this sword to face this massive, almost seven foot tall man who had a hundred pound chain chain mail armor suit and an iron with a hundred pound head. And he went out him with just a sling. Why? Because that's what God equipped him with. Because he didn't have armor and a sword and a javelin to defend his sheep with. He had a sling. And he had courage. And so as he approached this battle line, seeing that absolutely no Israelite army men would step up to this challenge and risk his life, David himself stepped up. And he knew that what God equipped him with was the best. And so church, you are being equipped if you're struggling. That is what God tells us. Scripture tells us that our struggles and our troubles are light and momentary compared to the glory that God is creating in us. Because you see what he's stirring in you and how he's growing you now goes far beyond your 75, 80, 90 years on this earth. Your soul carries on into eternity. And these principles and these truths, although we don't have scripture pouring out all the details of what it looks like, we do know that we continue on, our souls live on. And so God isn't doing this in vain just to keep you uncomfortable and make you a little tough. But hey, when you die, it just goes away and it didn't matter anyway. He's preparing us. He's creating us to be beings of light, to be more and more like Jesus. And sometimes he does that by throwing lions and bears at us and simply giving us a sling. Last, if the battle is the Lord's, we can guarantee victory. David said to Goliath, the day the Lord, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. That is a future tense statement. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And look what he says here at the end of that. He says, and all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's. 
and he will give you into our hand. The, the confidence and the courage that David had was not in his skill. It was not in all that God had done to prepare him. It was not in the fact that he had any sort of physical guarantee that he wasn't going to go out and get smushed by Goliath and, and condemn the entire nation of Israel. His confidence was not in that. His confidence was in the fact that he knew this battle was the Lord's. That he knew that God loved his people and would not let their story end in that moment at the hand of a Philistine named Goliath, but that he would deliver them. And when David went from person to person and saw nobody else was stepping up, he knew he could step up because he knew he could do it. And not because his ability was that great or because he spent years training for the army, but because he knew that the battle was the Lord's. Church, we may not know and understand the place that God has us in. We may be confused. We may feel like we're gro gro grasping in the dark, looking for, for a light switch, trying to figure out what's going on. But what I can promise you is that if you believe the battle you're in right now is the Lord's, he will see you through. You need not do anything but pray, but have faith, and but wait. God will show you what to do. God will give you peace. God will give you direction. But you have to look to him. If we don't, sometimes I, I'll catch myself crying out in a moment of stress. Like, God, what are you doing? You say you're always here. Why am I facing this? I just hear this, this thought in the back of my mind. It's like, hey, man, it's like five o'clock. You haven't prayed all day. Are you, are you going to God? Are you really bringing this stress to him? Or are you just standing here complaining that there's stress in life? Because we face it, every one of us. Not one of us in here doesn't know suffering. And so let's stop praying that God takes us out of the suffering. But instead, let's start praying that God equips us for the battle. Let's take the courage to say this battle is not mine, but God's. And if I'm at this point of struggle and I know my heart is right before God and I know that God sees my heart, I have to trust that he sent the lions and the bears. I have to trust that he's equipping me with my own armor and my own strength. That what scripture says that I have in faith and in the word of God is enough because Goliath comes with sword and spear, but God does not win his battles with physical human elements. God wins his battle in his own way. And if we trust and if we have faith in his timing and his way, we can guarantee the victory. We can have faith. We can have courage in a time of fear. If we trust the heart of God and if we begin to make that trust our war cry, our song, if we begin to cry and, and, and pray and trust with all of our heart that this battle is the Lord's and that we can claim victory in it, we will see that victory, church. But don't for a second doubt that the Lord is preparing and growing you in your fear. Even though you may feel it right now, he will not leave you there. David cried out this victory before he killed Goliath. David came to Saul before the battle began and said, in this day, Goliath goes down. 
you go back and read that story, it said that Goliath was going out and taunting Israel for 40 days. For over a month, every day, Israel's army stood there frozen. And David came up and said, this day he goes down. It didn't happen yet. So church, in your struggle, in your fight, in your battle, in your confusion, in your darkness, claim what you know. The battle is the Lord's. He will not fail me. And the more we keep our eyes on that, the less we'll see Goliath. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for all the, the strength that you equip us with. Um, the strength we see, the strength we don't, what we, uh, what we experience. God, I thank you in this moment, as tough as it is for me personally, as well as for others here, God, I thank you for the lions and the bears that come and terrorize us sometimes because we trust that you waste nothing and that you're using all the things together for the good of those who love you, that those wild animals that threaten our lives will one day become the reason we've overcome our fear and will become the strength that keeps us moving on. Would you give us courage this week? Would you help us to, to trust that the battle is yours and not ours? And we pray this in your name. Amen.